Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm going to be doing a, if you liked this horror movie, read this horror book. Or as always, it can go the other way. If you liked the horror book, check out the movie. Uh, so in these cases, the pairs are going to share like similar vibes, similar themes, in some cases, similar premises. I think in some of them, I find like very weirdly specific things that both things have in common. Um, and this was fun because I reached out on Instagram and a lot of people had a lot of great suggestions for horror movie book pairings. So like if you enjoyed this movie, check out this book. So I actually have quite a few recommendations from listeners. I absolutely love making these episodes and I love this kind of premise in general. Like I will click on any listicle that's like, here are five books you should read if you like this. Like it's just a for sure thing for me. I am always going to read those. I love those and I enjoy making them. I enjoyed like looking through all my books and looking through you know, this long list of horror movies and trying to find things that connected the two. Like, I feel like I could have just been fine finding like a similar vibe, but I think you'll see as the episode goes on, I went like very specific. I don't know how many of you are on Letterboxd, but Letterboxd is an app where you can track the movies that you watch and write reviews. And what I like to do is put movies into lists based on, you know, like similarities. You know, like I have a list of like horror movies where there's a dinner party. Um, and then I have more general lists like aquatic horror and found footage movies and holiday horror movies. But as I said, that's not really the energy I'm bringing today. There is as I was making this episode, there is one list on Letterboxd that I was thinking about. This is slightly going to spoil Get Out, so you might want to hit that like forward 15 second button a few times. But there is a list that just has two films. And those films are Get Out and Shrek 2. And you might be thinking, what could possibly tie these two films together? They are both filed under the list. Films where the main character visits his partner's parents' house for the first time, only to realize they are racist, who have hatched a plan to have a white guy steal their identity. And that is just amazing to me. That is art <laughs> that I never realized those two movies shared that ultra-specific premise. And that, friends, is the energy I would like to bring today. So as I mentioned at the top of the episode, I reached out on Instagram and asked for pairing suggestions and you guys really came through. So I actually have quite a few from listeners. So I'm going to go through those right now. So most of these are from Instagram, uh, from the comments of the post I did asking for suggestions. So again, thank you all of you for coming through with that. First up, we have from at Fabby Well, and I'm just starting off. I am so sorry if I butcher your candles. Um, it has been known to happen on this podcast. So they say, come closer reminds me of Rosemary's Baby and Get Out Combined. And there was a few comments um, agreeing with this poster. So again, if you like Rosemary's Baby and Get Out, Come Closer has been recommended several times on this podcast by several people. So not just me. 
next up at literary underscore thrills. If you like your next and scream, you should read Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. And I absolutely agree. I think especially with Scream, it gave me so many awesome 90s teen slasher vibes. I mean, not that specifically in the 90s, but I just feel like to my personal experience, that was such a like nostalgic heyday for a good teen slasher story. Yes, I, I second this. <laughs> Next up at Some Kind of Big Lizard, A Head Full of Ghosts is similar in a lot of ways to Poltergeist with the film crew coming in and the child aspect. I can't believe I've never thought of that, but you have a point. At Giant Bookstacks, Blair Witch Project and Maggie's Grave, and that's by David Sodergren, have a similar vibe to start and then Maggie's Grave goes full slasher. Um, I think I'm going to have to read Maggie's Grave is what this is telling me. I do love the Blair Witch Project. I actually really, really love found footage movies and a book that has Blair Witch vibes and then goes full slasher sounds like a win for me. At Penchant for Words, or Aaron Craig, author Aaron Craig, who has been on the show, commented, I know a pair of books with Crimson Peak and the Village vibes. And in case you don't get the joke, those are her books. Her book, House of Salt and Sorrows, uh, has very gothic-y Crimson Peak vibes. And her book that is coming out, Small Favors, I know she's said has a lot of the village vibes. So I am looking forward to that. And then someone commented, I've got another one for the Blair Witch Project. Plain Bad Heroines by Emily Danforth. All the meta-ness will make the brain explode. It is definitely a very meta story. And then I got an email from Sylvia and it was just full of examples, which I loved. I loved the dedication uh, behind writing me a full email. So I picked three uh, from this email. So she says, Home Before Dark by Riley Sager. Um, has a lot in common with The Conjuring and, of course, the Amityville horror. I mean, you can tell a lot of that in just the setup of the story and the type of story. Um, Behind Her Eyes by Sarah Pinbro to Horse Girl. And she's saying, like, she... Um, and she did mention in the email that she's aware that there's, like, a actual Netflix adaptation for Behind Her Eyes. But I think the kind of surreal aspect of it... Uh, worked with Horse Girl, the movie with Alison Brie that came out, I think, like a year or two ago. And then she says the YA horror novel Harrow Lake by Cat Ellis. And the pairing for that is American Horror Story season one. So that is the murder house season. She says that when she is reading it, she can kind of cast everyone as the cast from the first season. I actually do that a lot. I've noticed when I read like especially if I'm watching something with a character that has a very distinct voice sometimes I will hear dialogue in my head in that actor's voice I think um like after I watched How to Get Away with Murder like a lot of the female characters that I read had Liza Wiles voice Liza also known as Paris Keller from Gilmore Girls (laughs) so that is something I do a lot too like I'll I'll voice cast a lot when I'm reading books. I don't know if I'm the only person that does that. Please tell me that I'm not alone in doing that. 
This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. Okay, and I am back. So let's talk about these pairings. First up, let's talk creepy ghosts that you can only see with special glasses that are 100% going to attack you because the restraint system that keeps them in place has decided to stop working. I'll give you a minute to guess where I'm going with this. If you guessed the 2001 film 13 Ghosts and the novel Ghostland by Duncan Ralston, you are correct. So in the 2001 film, 13 Ghosts follows a family who inherit an isolated modern house that they soon discover is a prison for 12 ghosts. The house serves as a complex trap and they will have to fight to get out alive. Again, longtime listeners will know I have a lot of opinions about the movie (laughs) 13 Ghosts. But I think overall, I love the concept. I think one of the things it does so well is monster design for all of the ghosts. Like visually, the set, like I think visually it does a lot of things well. And if you'll remember from watching the movie, there is that detail that there's like special ghost glasses that you have to wear in order to see the ghosts. So keep that in mind as I pair it with Ghostland by Duncan Ralston. This is the first novel in the Ghostland trilogy and the synopsis is people are dying to get in. The exhibits will kill to get out. Be first in line for the most haunted theme park in the world. Ghostland. Discover and explore hundreds of haunted buildings and cursed objects. Witness spectral beings of all kinds with our patented augmented reality glasses. Experience all the terror and thrills the afterlife has to offer. Safely protected by our recurrence field technology. Visit Ghostland today. It's the hauntedest place on earth. So we follow Ben, who has suffered a near-death experience at the hand of the new theme park's main attraction. But now he is ready to face his fears and hopefully reconnect with his best friend Lillian, whose post-traumatic stress has been keeping her from living her life at the fullest. Lillian's therapist tags along out of professional curiosity. Like she wants to see how this virtual technology affects the user, but a computer virus sets the ghosts free. The park goes into lockdown, trapping all the visitors inside. 
So again, I said similarities, the idea of tech allowing people to see the ghosts is interesting. Um, in both cases, they are glasses. I think another thing both do really well is the backstories of each ghost. Like I know if you have 13 ghosts on DVD, they have like in the special features, each ghost has like an origin story and a backstory. And that element is also here. Like whenever a ghost is mentioned, you can, I mean, I read it on my Kindle, so I say you can click on it. I don't know how it works in print. I'm assuming it's a, like a footnote or like a index in the back, but on Kindle, you can like click on it and it'll kind of give you a little rundown on each ghost. So like each ghost has its history. And I think it really does help it feel more lived in. Um, I like that the settings are different. I have a lot of plot things that I get annoyed with <laughs> in 13 Coasts. And one of them is that I get very annoyed that they just are so ready to live in this random secluded house that's in the middle of the woods that is like the least homey house ever built. And like I said, um, I could talk about this movie for like an hour I will stop myself um I do like the idea of a theme park and being surrounded by people and the fact that it's filled with all these tech experts I think as someone who has anxiety like I think all of those things would assuage my fears like you know I think all those things are meant to make you feel safe and I think they would succeed in making me feel safe in this scenario like I said, this is the first book in a trilogy, and I think there's a lot more that he's playing with. Like when they are driving in, there's like protesters that are outside um, that are protesting for like religious reasons. And we just see like there's a bit more to the world. And I know as I'm describing it, I think this book sounds like it has a, a YA vibe, <laughs> but I will say it's a bit, it's a bit gory. I would not uh, shelf this as young adults, if you get my drift. But I had a lot of fun with it. I think there should be more like horror theme park stories. And I like what this one does. So again, that is Ghostland by Duncan Ralston. And the 2001 film 13 Ghosts, which I know so many of you love. Every time I mention <laughs> that I have issues with this movie, uh, people always tell me uh, that they love it. And you can love it. That is fine. It is totally fine that you love it. And I think like I... It's a movie I will definitely like rewatch and revisit. Like it's, like I said, visually a fun movie. And on to our second pairing, which is what do you get when washed up true crime writers decide that the best course of action for their careers is to move their family into a murder house? That's right. We are talking Sinister and Within These Walls by Anya Alborn. I love Sinister. Uh, Sinister follows Ethan Hawke in various sweaters as he moves his family into a murder house and finds just a cache of spooky snuff film reels upstairs. Um, and he just may have stumbled upon something that he cannot handle. Um, I don't want to say too much. This movie personally like scared the crap out of me like the films especially were what got to me and in within these walls we follow writer lucas graham who is contacted by cult leader and murderer jeffrey holcomb from prison um, and he agrees to an exclusive interview on the condition that he moves into the house where the murders happened you know totally normal thing to ask lucas graham is pretty desperate 
and um, Jeffrey Holcomb like hasn't spoken to anyone. So I mean, this would be a very big get. So I think at this point he is just willing to do whatever it takes to land this interview. Unfortunately for him, as soon as he moves in, he basically gets ghosted, leaving Lucas to put the pieces together alone. But is he alone? Question mark. I think in this pairing, too, we get just like not great fathers um, that just put their family in just immediate danger and just don't take a second to think about what it is they are doing. So the similarities come from, like I said, (laughs) that specific trope of a true crime author full of desperation and willing to put their whole family in danger without a second thought. The difference is in the type of horror that comes from these premises. In Within These Walls, we get this dual narrative of like Lucas with his daughter like moving in and him investigating and looking through and putting together the story of the cult and the murders that happened there and we are also getting like the linear story of what it was that exactly happened and on to our next pairing when something takes over citizens of their pacific northwest towns a group of teens band together to fight What is not a conspiracy theory, but is actually just a very real weird thing that is happening. And I present to you Disturbing Behavior and The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson. In Disturbing Behavior, the 1998 teen sci-fi horror movie with eternally young James Marston and goth Katie Holmes, uh, they become suspicious when more teens start joining the Blue Ribbon group which is what they've dubbed this group of teens who are just a little too perfect. Like they excel academically and they're just overall very wholesome. And it's just odd. Like something just does not seem right about them. And I'm pairing that with The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson that came out last year. And the synopsis for that is... Turner Falls is a small tourist town nestled in the hills of western Oregon, the kind of town you escape to for a vacation. When an inexplicable outbreak rapidly develops, this idyllic town becomes the epicenter of an epidemic of violence. As the teenage children of several executives from the local biotech firm become ill and aggressively murderous, Suddenly, the town is on edge, and Lucy and her friends must do everything it takes to fight through the night. Uh, So a few similarities here, and I will say one of the smaller ones is that both have protagonists that have moved to this Pacific Northwest town after a traumatic event. In Disturbing Behavior, James Marsden character Steve's family moves up um, after his brother's suicide. And Lucy... um, is having a hard time warming up to her adoptive family that she's been placed with after the death of her parents in Peru. In both cases, they are dealing with some kind of epidemic taking over the town and taking over teenagers in their town. I will say the stories go in different directions and the loop, I will say, leans a little more on the bloody side of things. Like the opening incident or the the first incident is really graphic but it's like this boy in class who kills his teacher with his bare hands like I'm just it's (laughs) I had a lot of fun with it but I'm letting you know it's a bit more gory uh, than disturbing behavior Uh, so that 
is The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson and Disturbing Behavior. And my last pairing for the episode, what happens when a woman investigates a murderous urban legend in Chicago? I'm talking Candyman and Children of Chicago by Cynthia Palayo. Candyman is the classic 90s movie starring Tony Todd as the titular Candyman who has been summoned by skeptic grad student Helen Lyle who has like the crappiest husband ever and in my opinion just a penchant for sticking her nose just like where it does not belong. Um, I do absolutely love this movie. <laughs> Pairing that with Children of Chicago, we follow Lauren Medina, a homicide detective who sees a calling card at a Humboldt Park murder scene, and she knows the Pied Piper is back. A teenager's body was found floating in the same lagoon where her sister was found floating years before, and now she's certain that not only is he back, he's looking for payment. So... The similarities with this, other than they both are literally set in Chicago, is that they blend this modern folklore, urban legend, um, in with the Chicago setting. And I think it's very important to both stories. I will say since Candyman is based on uh, an actual person, he gets a little more of a backstory. And with Helen, the investigative aspect comes from an academic perspective, uh, in the case of Children of Chicago and the Pied Piper, it is a procedural. We are dealing with it from the perspective of a cop who has a personal connection to the case. I will say in both cases, the protagonists are just unlikable for different reasons. I think they're both selfish when it comes to the legend and just not above using people uh, to get what they need out of them. And just a few instances where I feel like they both just go with the you know ends justify the means mentality that i don't love but i love the world building when it comes to the urban legends in both of these stories and really really adding to this folklore and this legend and how it incorporates to the history of chicago i think is something that is done well in both of these stories and i am so looking forward to the new Candyman movie. Like, I think it is my most anticipated movie of the year. Like, I hope I get to see it in theaters this year. That is, like, my one, my one want that I want this year. So that is Candyman and Children of Chicago by Cynthia Palayo. And it is a solo episode this week, so it is probably going to be on the shorter side. Um, But I will add my final girl song for this week is 2012's My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark, parentheses, Light Em Up by Fall Out Boy. Uh, This song was very much of a moment and... It pains me to realize that moment was almost 10 years ago. Like, I think I'm just in such denial that the 2010s were like a decade ago. And I have a hard time accepting it. Um, But I think this has a lot of good fighting back energy. Like, I think the song starts out kind of strong in like a hype up 
tempo. Like it has like a hype up energy. And then I think it really kicks it up a notch in the chorus. And I think it's like the perfect kind of song that I'm looking for. It was just a song I was listening to the other day. And I'm like, yes, like this fits. This is like, I know I say it all the time. This is some final girl energy. So again, that is my songs. Know what you did in the dark by fallout boy chilling obsession i have not watched a lot of horror movies lately i am still trying to make my way through the x-files on this rewatch um i've been listening to the horror queers podcast um i'm mostly caught up now they're on the bloody disgusting network it's a horror movie recap podcast and I just love them. I love their analysis. And they just always bring such smart and funny takes into movies and just like really do their research. Like the first part of the show was like really getting into like production history and like what their personal history is with this movie before, you know, getting into the usual like scene by scene breakdown, um, which I always really enjoy. Like I always get really excited whenever they put a new episode out. So that is Horror Queers part of the bloody disgusting network um so thank you for joining me for i know this shorter solo episode <laughs> books in the freezer is a bi-weekly podcast we post episodes every other tuesday you can find us on twitter at books freezer pod or on instagram at books in the freezer we are on facebook at facebook.com slash books in the freezer you can send us an email at books in the freezer at gmail.com we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. There's a one, three, and a $5 level, all kinds of perks. You get early access to episodes. You get to do movie nights and Voxer group chats and bonus episode series. Um, and my husband and I just finished up doing our read through and watch through of the CBS miniseries for The Stand. So we just finished all of our episodes on that and we are going to be starting uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which he has never read before. Um, so if you are a $5 Patreon supporter, you can access those episodes. Um, another way to support the show is by using the Amazon affiliate link and the most fun thing purchased using the affiliate link this week is a Fluker's Basking Spotlight Bulbs for Reptiles Black 60 Watts. And I hope Reptile Baby is happy. You don't have to spend any money to support the show. Word of mouth is very big and important to small shows like this. So sharing on social media and especially taking time to rate and review on a site like Apple Podcasts is huge and very helpful. So again, thank you to all of you who have taken the time to do that already. My voice is cracking. I am... <laughs> I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya and on Instagram at That's What She Read. That's, that's with two A's. And see you next time on Books in the Freezer. <laughs>